Welcome everyone to today's class. I hope everyone listened to Swamiji's lecture last week. 95, not bad, still going strong. Quite inspiring just the fact that a person who's dedicated most of his life to this knowledge is still going strong. And it's because of him that we're all able to um, participate in these classes. It's his efforts. Just so you have to take it in the sense that, I mean, you listen to his lectures 20 years ago and now, you know, um, at that age, this age, he's still making an effort to do so. He doesn't need to, but he's still doing making an effort. And this is how everyone should act in their life. There's no such thing as retirement, he says. You continually need to carry on acting till your last breath. And that's why he does this. Is there any questions from anyone um, after Swamiji's talk last week? If you have, then you can ask them now. Just waiting for the last couple of people to join. Any general questions you can ask? So today's class, chapter three, the yoga of action. Topic four, the technique of right action. We're going to cover verse 25 to 35. And these 11 verses, Lord Krishna talks to us about how to act in the world, how to behave correctly how to perform the right action. The whole of the Gita, 18 chapters, is the conversation between Lord Krishna and Arjuna. Lord Krishna is trying to resurrect Arjuna from his depressive state. He finds himself in this position. So Lord Krishna is giving him this sermon so that he can awake, rise from this state and perform his duty as a warrior, the prince of Hastinapur and fight the evil Kauravas. So to restore righteousness back into Hastinapur, all the people are suffering there. But Arjuna is difficult for Lord Krishna to wake Arjuna up from this state. He's trying everything he can. In topic one of this chapter, verse one to three, Krishna introduced what action is to Arjuna, even though it went over his head. In topic two, verse four to 19, Krishna used logic and reason as to why he should perform his duty, his action. He said, perform karma yoga. This will take you to the ultimate goal. It will help you to reduce your desires, reach your goal as a human being. Ultimately become one with the self, self-realization. So you have to do your duty, whatever that may be. If you're a teacher, teach. If you're a businessman, do business. Do whatever is right for you. But Krishna could see that it has not made much of a difference. His sermon, logic and reason, 
not make much of a difference. Jinnah is still not himself. Why didn't it make a difference? Anyone? Huh? Why didn't it make a difference? Verses 4 to 19. Logic and reason he gave to Krishna. It made sense to us. Why didn't it make sense to uh, Arjuna? Anyone? Why didn't it make sense? Settle's got a hand up. <laughs> Because Arjun is a man of action. So he finds that easier to understand. Can everyone, can everyone hear her? No, Arjun is a man of action. Okay. He's not into logic and reason. Arjuna is not intellectual. So logic and reason goes above his head. He's mind led. So in verses 20 to 24, which we covered last class, Krishna uses a different tactic. He makes an emotional, psychological appeal. He uses six emotional appeals, devotional, persuasion, vanity, a personal appeal, fear, even threat. Why, if you don't do it, this will happen. So in topic one, and two, Krishna was appealing to his intellect. In topic three, he appeals to his mind, and this works. See, when you tell a child, you must do this. You must study for your exams. If you study for your exams, you'll pass. You'll get a good job, good university. It doesn't make any difference to him. He's not intellectual. I don't care. I just want to play. Then if you threaten the child, hey, you might say, if you do your studies, prepare for your exams, spend one hour, I'll make your favorite dinner. I'll give you ice slowly. I'll give you this, I'll give you that. That might think, okay, maybe I'll do that. And if he still doesn't listen, then you'll threaten. Same thing. Krishna used the same tactic on Arjuna and that worked. Krishna, okay, if you don't listen to me, if you don't do this, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the army. You do your own thing. I'm leaving. So finally, Krishna wakes up. Arjuna wakes up. And now Krishna has seen that Arjuna is awake. He's ready. So now in the next 11 verses, verses 25 to 35, topic 4, Krishna gives Arjuna the formula to perform the right action. It's a little recap for us because it's been a couple of weeks. Is everyone there? Is everyone on the same page now? Yeah? Dharmesh, Emma, you all on the same page? Vijay Any questions before we begin? Okay. So I hope all of you are awake now as well. So we can take this knowledge today. So we begin with verse 25. Saktaha karman yavidvam so yatha kurvanti parata kuryad vidvam statha sakta skiri suloka samgraham saktaha karman yavidvam so Yatha kurvanti parata kuryat vidvam statha sakta skiri surloka samgraham. O Bharata, as the ignorant act attached to action, so should the wise one act unattached, wishing the welfare of the world. O Bharata, another name for Arjuna. As the ignorant act attached to action, so should the wise one act, unattached, wishing the welfare of the world. It's like cryptic. 
in those days, that would make sense to someone. But in these days, we don't use such words. So we has to be explained. So what does this mean? The ignorant act attached, the wise act unattached. So what is this attached and unattached? This is the question, isn't it? What is the difference between attached and unattached? As a human being, we as humans, we have a choice in action. We have a choice of how to act, how to behave. Only humans have this. We can decide what we want, what we want to do. If we want to eat meat, want to eat vegetarian food, we have that decision. If we should kill, if we shouldn't kill, we can make these decisions. Animals do not have that same quality. They cannot do this. All animals are pre-programmed. A lion cannot think, oh, I'm killing all these animals for my stomach. Maybe I need to turn into a vegetarian. So much bloodshed I'm creating, it's wrong. Maybe I should start being a vegetarian. He cannot think that way. A deer cannot say, let me start killing and eat meat. It looks really tasty. They don't have a choice. They're pre-programmed to be in that way, behave in that way. Carnivores and herbivores. So as humans, we have a choice in action. We can choose how to behave. Then it's important that we understand how to act in the right way, isn't it? How do we know we are acting correctly? How do we know we are making the right choices? How do we know we are behaving properly? Anyone? How do we know that we're doing this? Who taught you? Surely we go by the law of the land, some of us. Or we go by our predecessors, our parents, friends, teachers. We learn from them. But how do we know they know what's right and wrong? See, if the parents are bad parents, evil, the children will become like that as well because they learn from their parents. So we're relying on our parents, our peers teach us right action, but who taught them? Interesting. Problem is no one teaches us how to act in the right way. No one teaches us the right way for our own development. So in this verse, Krishna explains the correct way to perform action. And this goes for all of us. What is the right way of acting? Does everyone agree with this statement? We don't know, um, how do we know we're acting correctly? We always believe what we're doing is right. That's just our ego. I am right, you are wrong. That's just our ego. So we have to accept that we don't know. Krishna explains to Arjuna, Oh Bharata, Arjuna, both the ignorant and the wise act. But the difference is in the mental attitude to the action. O Bharata Arjuna, both the ignorant and the wise act. The difference is in the mental attitude to the action. So you can perform the same action. Two people can perform the same action, but, have, but do it in a different way based on their mental attitude. And we're going to explain that now. By the way, in the scriptures, when it mentions an ignorant person, what does it imply? What does it imply? That 
they're not aware of the knowledge? Not aware of knowledge, absolutely. Because that word now is used in a derogatory sense. So I don't want anyone to think that is being derogatory, yeah, that we're using it in a bad way. When it mentions an ignorant person, it implies a person without knowledge. That's all. It is not a negative comment. It's to tell the difference between the two. A wise and an ignorant person means the ignorant is a person without knowledge. The wise is a person with knowledge. That's all it means. We can say we are ignorant of car repairing, car mechanics. So we take our car to a mechanic. He is wise when it comes to repairing cars. He has the knowledge, we don't. So we go to him, correct? We can say we're ignorant in that field. I can say I was ignorant about the scriptures until I came across this knowledge. So what is the difference in the way an ignorant person acts and a wise person acts? Anyone? What is the difference? Are we all okay with that word ignorant now, yeah? It means a person without knowledge. You were all ignorant partially until you came to this knowledge, you can say, about the Bhagavad Gita. Some of you may have a bit of knowledge, maybe not, but most of us were ignorant. So what is the difference? One is attached, one is unattached. What's the difference between an ignorant person acting and a wise person acting? The wise person probably got more chance of making better choices and better decisions. Yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. You make better decisions because he has knowledge. What else? As far as, yeah, Megna. Um, a wise person is like intellect-led and an ignorant person is mind-led. Okay. Yeah, that could be another factor. When we say in this verse, it says, ignorant act attached to action and the wise one acts unattached. What do you think, what does that mean? Yeah, Josh Nabin. It means you're not waiting for the outcome, regardless of the outcome for the person that action, what are your duties and um, obligations? Yeah. So you're not relying on what the outcome will be, just doing that at that time. Okay, that's the wise person, yeah? That's the wise person, okay. So, the ignorant people, people without knowledge, act attached, obsessed to action, meaning the motive is purely egocentric, only interested in fulfilling their desires for themselves. Maybe their family. No higher ideal than them, themselves and their family. This is how an ignorant person without knowledge acts. Only interested in their own desires fulfillment. Constantly interested in the fruit, meaning the result of the action. What will I get from doing this? What's in it for me? How can I benefit? I remember when I came back from the ashram here and went to a community function and said, oh, where have you been? Oh, I was in the ashram studying this. What benefit can you get from that? How will you benefit from that? In other words, how can I use this knowledge for myself to gain material development? This is how people think. What are you going to gain from it? from doing that. This is how normal people think. This is what we're saying. Majority of people will say, what is in it for me? Can you help me? I've got this job. Can you give me a hand? And what is it for me? What do I get out of it? That's normally the thinking process. We can't blame them. Everyone thinks in this way because they don't know this verse. 
the wise acts unselfishly, unattached to that action. His mind is on something higher, beyond his own egocentric desires. He works hard for the welfare of the people. He's unselfish when he acts. This is the correct way to act. One is selfish, one is unselfish. One is in it only for himself, maybe his family. The other will just perform the action and that's it. Any questions? This is the main difference. Next time someone asks you, help me to do this. Immediate thought goes, what will I get from it? When it should be my friends ask me to help, let me help them. You see the difference? So you may ask, how do you know this is the right way? You're telling us this is the right way. How do, how do, how do we know that's right? How do we know that's right? This verse is saying this. How do we know that's right? Who wrote that verse? What do they know? How do I know that's right? You talk very convincingly, but what makes you, what makes, what, what makes this right? What would you say? A thought must go in your mind. Just because you're wearing a white top and dotti and mara and you're saying this is the right, how do we know this is right? See, we look around us. Look out the window. Look at nature. Everything gives freely. Look out, the sun is not there today, but it was there last couple of weeks, quite, quite relentless, relentlessly. It gave heat. Heat, the sunlight gives vitality, gives us life. How much does the sun charge for heat? That day was 40 degrees. How much do you reckon the sun charged for that day? It gave so much heat. How much did it charge? What did it say? Okay, I'll give you lots of heat, but I want this in return. Did the sun say that? Rain falls, we drink the water, it sustains our life. Without water, we would be dead. How much does rain charge every time it falls? How much does it charge us? Without it, we can't live. You go in the garden, smell the flowers, rose, gives a nice scent. What does it want in return? Free smell, free sniffs for a pound. It doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> you can even cut it and take it, and it doesn't say anything. Bird sings, beautiful tune, doesn't charge for it. Oxygen, without it, we can't do anything, we would be dead. How much was your oxygen bill last month? How much was your oxygen bill last month? Have you paid it? Without it, you wouldn't be alive today. Only a human being wants something in return. So we can take this example from nature. Everything gives for nothing. That must tell us something. Why we have a motive for everything we want to do. Dharmesh. You say that, but the reason the rose produces a smell because it wants the bees to pollinate it. It wants something. Doesn't between the bees to pollinate. The bees pollinate because that's natural to them. That's the rose isn't saying, please distribute me to everywhere. But that's why it produces a smell. It, it produces it 
for a reason. Okay. Not our reason, but it has a reason. Whatever that may be, but it, what I'm saying is that there is no motive. The rose behaves like a rose because that's the nature of the rose. It has no other choice. That's the way it was created. But we have a choice. This is the point. See, that's the difference. We have a choice. We can say yes or no. The rose doesn't have a choice. And that's the difference. Only a human being wants something in return. So, the action can be the same. But the ignorant person thinks, how much profit am I going to make? What am I going to get from it? While the unselfish is thinking, how can this action benefit others? How can the profit I make help others? You see, the action is the same, but the thinking behind it is different. Big difference in the mental attitude to the action. Action is the same, attitude is different. This makes the difference between an ignorant and a wise person. Now, that doesn't mean you give everything away. But the attitude behind the action should be, how can I serve rather than what can I get? Think about it. What's in it for me? That's the first thought that comes in our mind. Because we're tuned in that way. Now I'm taking these classes, my attitude can be, what can I get from all these students? How can I benefit? Or it can be, I have this knowledge, how can I serve these students so that they benefit from the teachings? The action is the same. You all work for an organization. Your attitude can be, what can I get from this company? How can I benefit? Minimum work, maximum benefit. That's what we want. Minimum work, maximum benefit. Or you can think, how can I serve this company? How can I make a difference to this organization? Selfish ideal, higher ideal. Same action. Attitude is different. Any questions? The reason I'm going on about this is because it's very important, this verse. Any, any clarifications for me? I've cooked a meal. I want to make the best meal for my family. This is the difference between right action and wrong action, between an ignorant person and a wise person. So. The core of this chapter, Karma Yoga, Path of Action, lies in topic four, which comprises verses 25 to 35. It gives the technique of action it explains exactly what constitutes an ideal action. This section is acclaimed as one of the most brilliant and valuable expositions on right human activity. It states that all living creatures, the human, it states that of all living creatures, the human being alone has the choice of action. All other creatures follow a pattern of activity over which they have little choice. A lion must prey ferociously on other animals, while a deer cannot help but live out a harmless existence. They have little flexibility in changing the basic pattern of their lives. Human beings, however, have enormous flexibility. Their lives can range from one extreme to another. A human being can choose to be more destructive than a lion or gentler than a deer. Endowed with this choice of action, it is of the utmost importance for him to learn the meaning of right 
of action. Now that Arjuna has responded to the intellectual emotional treatment meted out to him, Krishna feels now capable of action. He addresses him as Bharata. Oh Bharata, the ignorant act in the world with much attachment to action. The wise should act without attachment by having a higher ideal such as the general welfare of people. At the very outset, Krishna distinguishes between the two broad categories of activity. The ignorant and the wise are both engaged in action, but their mental attitudes towards action differ greatly. The ignorant person has an obsession for action. He becomes involved in and attached to what he does. He binds himself emotionally to his field of activity. He acts merely to fulfill his egocentric desires. His motive is only personal profit or benefit. He sweats and toils all his life for procuring more comforts and pleasures for himself and perhaps his family. He entertains no other ideal or goal in life. The purpose of his existence does not extend beyond his personal acquisition and indulgence in this world. Compared to the ignorant, the wise person works less selfishly. He visualizes a higher and nobler ideal in life, an ideal which serves a common cause, which benefits his society or nation. He does not confine his activity to one or mere personal pleasure or profit. The cause of which he works embraces the welfare of the people at large. He strives and struggles to achieve this noble ideal. Krishna advises humanity to be wise and work for a high ideal in the world. Any questions? So what can be a high ideal? I mean, you have to decide for yourself, depending on where you are, what's a higher ideal. But any examples, what can be a higher ideal? Because it mentions that a wise person acts as a higher ideal. What can be a higher ideal? Whatever you're doing. Any ideas? What can be a higher ideal? What's the ultimate high ideal? We all know that one. What's the ultimate highest ideal we can all strive for? Krishnamit, what is the highest ideal? I'm self-realized. Self-realization is the highest ideal. So anything between you now to self-realization as being is the highest ideal, anything in between leading to that are you have to go step by step, higher ideal from where you are now. You may say, well, I can go to that straight away. Fine. If not, you have to have lower steps. Your immediate family is a higher ideal than yourself. You may be thinking only of yourself. Now you have a family, you might start thinking of them, your community, your street, your area where you live. Beyond that, you may say, my country. I want to act for my country. Is Rishi Sunak acting for England? Is he acting for himself? Debatable. I mean, he has the wealth already, so we can say maybe he's got a higher ideal. I want to better this country. Yeah, we don't know. He may have read this verse and acting on that basis. <laughs> but you see what I mean? He's... This is the way to think. Higher ideal than that, all human beings. Whatever I do, I want to act for all human beings. And then the highest self-realization. So this is, you, this is a higher ideals you have to decide, long as it's not only for yourself. So in other words, be unselfish. Verse 26. 
Let not the wise man unsettle the minds of the ignorant attached to action. Acting united with the self, let him render all actions attractive. Let not the wise man unsettle the minds of the ignorant attached to action. Acting united with the self, let him render all actions attractive. So, last verse we said, ignorant person acts and a wise person acts. Ignorant, ignorant is attached to action, the wise are unattached. That's what we said in last verse, correct? Yeah. We will find most people in the world attached to action. It's a fact. Most people in the world are attached to action. So after attending these classes, today's class, you may feel you want to share this knowledge with others. Maybe your partner, your children, your friends. Shilabin, I learned this, I want to share with you. Lord Krishna advises against this. You can't do this, he said. Why not? Everybody has their own spiritual journey. Everybody, not necessarily. Some people, I can say, don't have a spiritual journey. But to reach to the higher, we have to do it by ourselves. I know, but what I'm saying is, most people might not even think about that. Yes, not everyone's thinking of that. You... So many different, see, we're thinking of higher spiritual journey. You are, we are. But we can't say everyone is that doing that. Eventually, maybe. But right now, we can't say everybody's in on, on a spiritual path. You go, as I said once, I remember I came back from the ashram and I had to go to an um, a event. And I met a, an old friend, an acquaintance, I would say. And he said, where, are you? Where, where, where have you been? I haven't seen you for many years. But I was in the ashram. Uh, what, what were you doing there? Suddenly Bhagavad Gita, I said. Immediately he turned around and walked away from me. Now, what spiritual path is he on? Attached to action, only interested in material gain. The mention of spirituality, he shuns, shuns him. See? Now, what's the point of me telling, talking to him? So you can't share this knowledge with others, it's saying. Why not? Ramesh. They're not ready for it in their life. Their vasanas are not ready for it. Right. And what happens if you do try to share it? Yeah, what happens? It's like taking someone to drink some water and they don't want it, they don't want it. You have to be prepared for it. Okay. So you can't force someone who has lower values in life to take up higher values. Who is not ready to gain this knowledge as Dharma, not ready to follow this path, do not unsettle their minds. This is what Krishna is saying. Do not unsettle their minds. Today, when you tell your partner, you know what I learned in today's class? How to perform right action. We have this urge, we want to share it. You need a higher ideal. You must act unselfishly. 
You know what your problem is? You're attached to action. Be unattached. You, you go and say this. What will they say? They will say, that sounds interesting. By the way, what shall we do for lunch? Sounds great. Where shall we go for lunch? No, 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 that's not for it. Even children, you can't force this knowledge onto them. It is not their fault. Remember, it is not their fault. This is where they are. They're not ready to receive this knowledge. They don't have the vasna for it. And we all act based on our vasnas. The unwise, the ignorant person are also acting propelled by their vasnas. You can't suddenly expect them to change them, can you? Just because you have a vasna for it doesn't mean they have a vasna for it. So the wise person understands this. You are all now becoming wise, so you must understand this. You can't unsettle the minds of the ignorant. Just accept they're not ready here. It is unwise to give sermons to the unprepared mind. See, next verse, Krishna is warning everyone. Don't do this. Next verse. Why? It's a big thing. Not will you spoil, you will yourself spoil relationships with them unnecessarily. Here she goes again. Here he goes again. Yeah. Why? Why do you want to do that? That's what Krishna is saying. Don't do this. Just accept they're not ready. And it's not me. Like I said, Lord Krishna is saying it in verse 26. See, I'll give you an example. A chicken can fly, correct? A pigeon can fly. And an eagle can fly. You all understand that, yes? Chicken, pigeon, and eagle, they all fly. You understand the limitations. Chicken can just about get over, just maybe get maybe one foot above the ground, that's it. Yeah, and then it falls back down to the ground. A pigeon flies around, maybe you can see the pigeon, maybe 10, 15, 20 meters above. And that eagle, how does an eagle fly? Soaring in the sky. They all can fly, but they all have the limitations. This is where they are. Similarly, you have to understand an ignorant person is not ready to gain this knowledge. They cannot fly like an eagle. So, so what should you do to educate the ignorant person? You want your family members to understand this knowledge. What, would you, what should you do? First of all, does everyone understand why? What, what we're saying here, that you cannot give sermons. Does, does anyone have a clarification there? Well, you don't know how far they are. If you mention something like that, you don't know if they're going to take it on board or not, unless you try. Mm -hmm. So for people in your own family, especially, you know, your children in that, you want to get, give the idea that this is the right way to do it but leave it at that until they decide they want to explore it further. Yeah, You're still absolutely. saying something, aren't you? That's so I'm not saying... You can try okay. that. But what we're saying here is when you start becoming extreme, where you try to force it upon them. This is what we're talking about. Yeah. Of course, we will all try. Oh, this is what I learned. Yo, partner might ask you himself, what did you learn in class today? And you may explain it to them, but you have to accept that whatever he receives, that's it. 
You see the difference? You can't start forcing them to accept, the, accept this knowledge. That's the difference. But what you can do, and it's, it's written here, only thing you can do is practice this knowledge yourself. Change yourself. You lead the way. Try to focus on the self, practicing higher values of life. When you change, when you develop spiritually, this will draw others to follow. Teach by example. See, we not only sermonize, we don't practice it ourselves, we just sermonize. <laughs> That's the first thing. Practice it yourself. You take up high values. Number two, don't unsettle the minds of the ignorant, the spiritually less developed. They are attached to lower values in life. Raise your own, raise, you cannot raise their values. Work unselfishly towards a higher deal. Maybe they will follow. Don't sermonize. Remember, knowledge is taken, never given. Knowledge is taken, never given. See, if, for example, you mentioned mechanic, your friend comes over. Let's say your friend brings her husband over, Krishnabin. And he's a mechanic, and he starts talking about mechanics. You know how to fix an engine? He starts explaining to you, Joshnabin, you take these parts, this is the different components in the car, engine, Ferrari has this engine. What would you say? <laughs> goes above your head. You have no desire for learning about car mechanics, about engines. Same thing. Lead by example. Each person's vasanas manifest helplessly. And that's why, you know, in class I say, you are all quite fortunate because you have vasanas for this knowledge. That's why you're here Sunday morning. If you didn't have the vasanas, you wouldn't be here. So that's why we're saying that you're all fortunate because you have the vasanas. Any questions? So don't sermonize. Don't unsettle the minds of the ignorant. You've been warned. Okay, Emma. At the very beginning of the sermon on action, Krishna cautions the learned, cautions the learned not to upset the minds of the ignorant who are attached to action. You cannot force people to follow the higher values of life, the ignorant have lower values and cannot change suddenly. They may understand and even appreciate the value of your words, but they cannot instantly implement them in their lives because of the power of their own vasanas, inherent tendencies. The course of a river curves gently but never turns at right angles. A car moving at high speed can only change its direction gradually. If it swerves, Sharply, it goes off the road. The same holds good for self-development. The vastness of an individual take their own course and gradually evolve to higher development. Thus, you cannot change others overnight with your knowledge. To educate others, simply lead the way. Attune to the supreme self within. Learn and practice the higher values of life. Render yourself spiritually attractive so that others follow you. Avoid sermonizing to the ignorant who cannot appreciate the value of knowledge. Two valuable pieces of advice contained in this verse are, one, pursue the self and gain spiritual perfection so as to attract others by example. Two, do not sermonize and unsettle the minds of those less spiritually developed. Due to their attachment to lower values, you can only lure them gradually to higher values by living up 
to them yourself. Parents over anxious to mold their children should, should particularly take note of this advice. The elders, far from being perfect themselves, constantly correct the youngsters. They dictate rigid rules and regulations, which force children to act against their nature. The youth revolt against such unnatural education. Young men and women ought not to be di dictated to by the doctrines and dogmas. Whatever is forced is never forceful. That is the law. Any questions? So does everyone understand why you shouldn't? Doesn't mean you shouldn't uh, mention it in the sense, but don't force it. This is the difference. You must do this way. Then it doesn't work. Verse 27, this is a quick verse. Prakati kriyamanani gunei karmani sarvasaha ahankara vimudatma kartaha miti manyate prakati kriyamanani gunei karmani sarvasaha Ahankara vimudatma kartaha miti manyate. Actions in all cases are performed by the gunas, qualities of prakati, nature. One who is deluded by egoism thinks, I am the doer. So, this verse, what is, is talking about vasanas. And you all know this, by the way. This is just covering something you already know. We all know all beings act differently based on their inherent nature. Where does their nature come from? Where does in their inherent nature comes from? Everyone acts based on nature. Where does the nature originate from? Yeah. Who said that? Vasnas. Everyone's nature originates from their own vasnas. Vasnas is the cause, manifests as thoughts, desires, and then action, the effect. So we can say vasnas is the reason for all our actions, correct? You are a bundle of vasnas. That's why you behave in the way you do. Everyone clear with that? You're mild and meek. You have mild and meek vasanas. You're aggressive. You have aggressive vasanas. You're selfish. You have selfish vasanas. Unselfish. You have unselfish vasanas. So when a person acts in the world, their actions are based on the qualities of their vasanas. Every vasana's qualities are different. And that's why every person is different. That's why everyone's nature is different. Why everyone's thinking is different. As I mentioned before, twins born to the same parent, same mother's milk, same love from the same, both parents. Still, they can be so different in their nature. Why? Vasnas. And their vasnas follows you from one life to another. And what this verse is saying, the qualities of the vasanas can be separated into three different categories called gunas. Actions in all cases are performed by the gunas, qualities. And you all know what these qualities are. Who was these three different qualities? The vasanas have three qualities. What are they? Each one's vasana. Shushnaben? Sattvic, Tamasic, and Rajasic. Tamas, Rajas, Sattvic, Sattva. Tamas, inactive. Rajas, active. Sattva, transactive. Highest quality is Sattva. Lowest quality is Tamas. We're not going to go through them again because we've been through them. So everyone's actions are the expression of these qualities. That makes up the individual's nature. 
laziness. You know, this person's tamasic, tamasic vasnas. This person's always in the temple praying, sattvic vasnas. And these vasnas are enlivened by Atman, the self. The self is the core of your personality. Remember we said self enlivens us. Then the body, vasnas, then the self enlivens us, the vasnas, the body, the mind, and intellect. So if no self, what if we didn't have the self enlivening us, could we act? Would we be able to perform any action? Can't perform any actions. Can the car run without electricity or petrol? Even if it's a Ferrari or Rolls Royce, can it run? Look, you know my car, this is a million pound car. Doesn't matter how much it costs. Without fuel, can it run anywhere? Can it go anywhere? Can't do anything without fuel. How much money, how fast, how big the engine is, doesn't matter. Without fuel, it cannot go a single meter. Similarly, without the self, the Atman, we cannot perform any actions. So what this verse is saying is that the ignorant does not understand this. He believes I am the doer. I do everything because of me. These are my children. You know, one goes to Oxford, one goes to Cambridge. I made millions in my company. I run a charity to help the poor. Without me, this would not have happened. The ego makes them believe they did all this. They have no understanding that without the Atman, the self enlivening them, they wouldn't be able to do anything. So. Action arises from an individual's inherent nature. Every single being possesses a distinct and separate nature which expresses itself in thought, desire, and action. The source of a being's inherent tendencies, innate aptitudes, and urges, which comprises his individualistic nature, is called vasana. A vasana is the cause and action, the effect. A vasana, therefore, is the prime mover in the mechanism of all action. In the chronology of an action, a vasana begins the chain, which can then become manifest as thought, desire, and action. Human beings perform a variety of actions depending on their nature, defined by the quality of their vasanas. The qualities of human nature fall under three broad categories called gunas, they are tamas, inactive, rajas, active, and sattva, transactive. Tamas is a state of ignorance and inertia. Rajas constitutes passions, desires, and agitations. Sattva commands equanimity, serenity, and poise. Therefore, the entire range of human activities is only the manifestation or expression of these gunas or qualities of their own individual natures. Beyond all actions, gunas and vasanas, lies the supreme self. The self or atman is the primeval source of all activities, but the self does not act. An ignorant person does not know this. Involved in his gunas and actions, he deludes himself to believe that he is the actor. Any questions? Any questions? 
clarification on this. You are a bundle of your vastness. The vastness have different qualities. And you are here today acting because of the self and living in you. And then you say, I did this. That's your ego tells you you did this. Does everyone understand this? Any clarifications? So think about it. This is how, this is the formula for right action in life. Just remember one word, unselfishness. That'll keep you in stride. How can I act unselfishly? That's a, that's a good start. Even if you don't remember anything, just that, just remember how can I act unselfishly? How can I benefit others in this action? That's a good way to start. Great. Um, group discussion will be going next week. Unfortunately, Tuesday, I have a prior appointment, but we can do any other day if, it, uh, if people agree to it. So if we can propose the regular people come to group discussion, if you can let me know what other day if you want to go ahead and then we can conduct it on another day, yeah? So. Good, all right. Have a nice Sunday. Enjoy the rest of it.